Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun, the author of Press Into the Power. I hope you're enjoying this music that we have. Uh, This song is called Miracle from Sylvia Jones' latest music project, which is available online wherever music is sold or streamed. Or you can reach out to her on her website, www.sylviajones.com, helping you experience God's presence through contemporary worship. Listen, uh, before we get started today, I want to bring you just a quick note from our sponsor, Distinction Inc. Do you need custom t-shirts or hoodies? Look no further than Distinction Inc. From screen printing to embroidery, Distinction Inc. provides high-quality apparel and promotional items with stress-free customer service. Distinction Inc. also provides competitive pricing, especially for nonprofit organizations and churches. If you have any upcoming projects, they would love to earn your business and exceed your expectation. You can request a quote by visiting www.distinctioninc.com. Distinction Inc. We deliver results that make you say, wow. All right, let's get ready for the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I hope and pray that you are making this podcast your favorite drive time podcast. So every time you get in your car, pop in an episode of the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. It is guaranteed to bless your heart, mind, and soul. Today, we have with us a very special guest as we continue the Women Warriors series. This is a young lady that has been with us many times before. She's a part of the Simply Us series. And if you know that series, you know who my special guest is. She is my lovely, lovely wife of 35 years. We'll be celebrating 35 years coming up at the end of this month. And I thank God for her. Been together since we were 19 years of age. And she's here with us to close out this series called Women Warriors. Today, we'll be featuring an episode that deals with the First Lady. And as you know, my wife was the First Lady for 20 plus years. So it's going to be a good time Let's get ready to rumble. Hey, welcome to the set. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hello, Kip Nation. How are you today? All right, Kip Nation. You heard that lovely voice. Oh, my God. It makes my heart tingle in the inside. (laughs) I know y'all fellas laughing, but I don't care. But anyway, I want to say this on a serious note. People tend to be endeared to the pastor. However, there is no real credible discussion about the role of the first lady. As a matter of fact, in many churches, when the pastor and the first lady come, there's more of a support system for the pastor than there is for the first lady. And that's strange in light of the fact that the Bible declares that the two shall be made one. Moreover, the woman is called to be the helpmate of the man one who is the revealer of the enemy. She is a critical part of the pastoral team. 
never to be overlooked or devalued. Yet, there's seemingly this non-empathetic disconnection in many cases. And again, I say in many cases, I'm not talking about all churches, some churches, but I've heard some horror stories. Uh, One of those horror stories in the death of a pastor, the first lady is often marginalized or disgraced by dissociation, altogether kicked to the curb or even forced to pastor out of necessity. So today, I want women and men of God, I want to take a passionate look at the first lady from the eyes of a woman warrior who can describe their legacy and their sacrifice to the ministry and to the faith. And just talking about sacrifice, just talking about Mm -hmm. sacrifice, what kind of sacrifices did you have to make being a first lady? I made many sacrifices. One, I think the, the heaviest being the personal sacrifice. Let's just face it. We all want to do it how we want to do it. You know, we have our goals, our dreams, our aspirations. And then when God calls you to this position, all that kind of goes on the back burner for a season. You have to reacclimate your life to now what's called the pastor's wife. It's different being a minister's wife. The responsibility is totally different. But when you transition into being a pastor's wife, then you have a heavier load on your shoulders. And uh, you had indeed a heavy load. Go into detail. You talked about personal sacrifice. What personal sacrifices did you have to make? Well, we had four children and then they were small. So I had to decide, okay, do I try to go into being a pastor's wife and working in ministry like so many pastor's wives do? Or do I take care of my children because they were so small? So that was like my balancing act, if you will. And then I literally prayed about it and God made it really clear to me. You raise your children because that's why so many PKs grow up and they're so crazy because we're always busy handling the congregation's children and their issues and we're neglecting our own. That's true. That's true. I hear stories about that all the time as well. It's a delicate, as you said, balancing act, trying to balance the home. I know for me, as it relates to you, you gave me the freedom to manage and pastor the affairs of the church while you simultaneously manage the children and manage the affairs of the house. But when you first became a first lady, Mm -hmm. before we started New Vision, Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the constraints that are on the traditional first lady? Sure. Those constraints are really simple. You walk into a traditional setting and you walk into already formed preconceived notions of what the first lady or pastor's wife should do, how she should be, how she should look. So if you are a weak person, you will conform to that. However, and some people will look at this as being a renegade or rebellious, but I didn't do that. I simply prayed, okay, God, this this is what they're telling me. How do you want me to fit into this mold, if at all? And so I prayed and God gave me my directives. Remember, at the time we had four small children, so it wasn't conducive enough for me to sit in the front row with four small children. I had twins, nine months old. Logically, that doesn't make sense. So I sat in the back by the side door. So if they got antsy or irritated or needed to eat or what have you, hey, I can easily slip out and don't bring any attention or disrupt the service. If I'm in the front row, you can't do that. But that, that that decision that you made, although divine and although you prayed, that brought much consternation. 
It did, but you have to be prepared if you're going to do what God explicitly tells you to do. You have to be prepared mentally and physically to be able to take those hits. Be like the old watch called Timex, take a licking and keep on ticking and know that you are doing what the Lord has told you to do. And if he told you to do it, you better do it. <laughs> you obey you obey God or you obey man. Why why didn't you and, and no knock on hats, but you never wore the big hat. You didn't wear the St. John suit suit. You seem to march to the beat of a different drum. Well, I have to be uniquely me. I have to be true to the spiritual DNA and the anatomical and physical DNA that God put within me. So if, if one, if a pastor's wife is going to do that, then she has to be assured in who she is at the core. And she has to be okay with being different. And being different will bring consternation. But if you're being different per what God has given you to do, that's okay. You have to be able to take the hits. So you you talked about taking hits. But I also saw, and this is from my perch, but I also saw that there was a group of women in the church which considered you a breath of fresh air to the point that they became endeared to you as their first lady. What, what was that like? It was refreshing for me. Again, I am going to be who God created me to be in whatever circle I'm in. That's just how he hardwired me. So it's just natural for me to do and be that way. And the ladies that came alongside of me, they saw that I was very real. I was a real person. I wasn't a mannequin or a trophy or a statue to be admired from afar, I embraced them. Yes, some of them hurt me. Yes, some of them did things to me that I didn't like, but hey, that comes with the territory. Just because you're hurt or offended, you just don't go into a cocoon and never come out again. You just proceed with caution. So being hurt is for the pastoral team. I'm not gonna say this, just limited to the first lady. It's mm-hmm. Being hurt is a part of pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. And I say that an inclusive of the two of us, of the two of you together, being hurt doesn't necessarily destroy you. In my opinion, you can tell me what yours is, but in my opinion, being hurt helps to actually build you. It, Absolutely. It, it tears down the old <clears throat> in order that God might build up the new. Mm-hmm. What was your, how did it affect you? The same. I mean, I didn't like it. It didn't feel good, but it allowed me to expand. It allowed me to grow. It allowed me to build a thicker skin, if you will. So, ladies, when you are hurt, offended, or whatever happens to you in your respective ministry, don't allow it to make you go back into a shell. Don't allow it to make you bitter. Don't allow it to make you angry. I've seen bitter pastor's wives, and that's not a good look at all. I've seen pastor wives that have been hurt, and they just they put up a cement you know, wall, and they just don't deal with women, period, any more than they have to. I've seen all types of pastor's wives, but I encourage you, admonish you, that that is all part of the territory. And if you allow God to be God in your life and do what he does, you will grow from those experiences and be able to help the women in your church. And you did. You did. Let's let's talk a little bit about the transition from the traditional church to the non-traditional church. What kind of freedoms were you able to embrace in the non-traditional church? that you were not able to embrace in the traditional church. 
wow, there's so many. I guess I'll just pick three. Uh, one, I was able to embrace freedom in the sense of dress code. Okay. And that's crucial because when people are free to dress and just be at ease, if you will, then they are more apt to be more pliable to what's going on in the atmosphere. They're more apt to really engage and take in what you're saying because they're comfortable. When you're not comfortable, you're you're there, you're hearing, but you're not really hearing. That was just one. We had the freedom to have our ministry talks, our ministry meetings. We were able to fellowship at out at other outside entities, if you will. It was just so many, so many things that you allowed us to do, Bishop Calhoun, in our ministry that it was just refreshing. We could come in, I could engage with the youth, I could engage with the young adults. I'm outside jumping double dutch with them. I'm inside playing board games with them. You just gave me freedom. You allowed me to flow in my gifting. Pastors, wives, that's another thing. I know some of your husbands want you to do certain things in ministry, but is that really your gift? Yes, you can learn to do it, but is it really your gifting? God has given you unique gifts that he wants you to use it for the kingdom. And you should always endeavor to work in your gift from the Lord. That's where you will be most valuable. That's where you will be mostly appreciated. That's where you can expand and truly grow. Wow, that was a timely response and a powerful analogy about the First Lady's giftings. I have some, I, I remember a story when you first started, when I first started pastoring, you became the First Lady of a particular church. And when you were in that church, there was a group that wanted to honor you and do a First Lady's Day. That became a source of great angst in that church and led to a joint meeting. And it, it was, uh, we're not even going to talk about it, but you know the story. Mm-hmm. How should the church honor the First Lady or should the church honor the First Lady? I believe that the church should absolutely honor the First Lady. The Word of God is clear. The laborer is worthy of his hire. It's not just speaking of the pastor. The two are one. So if he's pastoring, she may not carry the title as pastor, but she is co-laboring beside her husband. So absolutely, the First Lady should be honored. Now, the capacity in which she's honored, I think her husband sets that tone. And then when the husband, who is the pastor, sets that tone, then the congregation and the leadership will follow. And if the husband doesn't set a tone, it's just kind of all over the place, then the leadership and congregation kind of follows that tone as well. To be married to a pastor, it is very, very, very weighty. It's very long-suffering. There's a lot of sacrifice with time spent with your husband, with time spent with the family. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that the congregants and just family and friends doesn't know about because we don't talk about it. It's par for course. It comes with the territory. So absolutely, the First Lady should be honored. I think the husband should have a conversation with her to see what she likes, what kind of things would appeal and uh, appease her and make her feel loved. I think the husband has to allow the congregation to speak her love language. If it's acts of service, if it's giving gifts, if it's uh, spending time with her, whatever speaks to her and lets her feel that she's loved and appreciated. So, so then on the same note, how should the congregation take care of the first family? And we're kind of extending a little bit beyond, but I think mm-hmm. for me, you were better, you had better aptitude in terms of what the, the girls needed mm-hmm. as opposed to me, you know, because I was gone most of the time. And I, I say that fortunately and unfortunately, mm-hmm. 
because that was sacrificial as well. You know, not being around, missing some of the things that were instrumental mm-hmm. to my children's growth, being there for some things, but let, not others. Go ahead. Let me interject for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this very transparently and candidly. At that time when we were going through that, I was a little perturbed. You know, let's just call it what it is because I didn't understand it at that time as I do now. I have grown tremendously and I'm older now. And I understand now that that was crucial. What you had to do was crucial to building the ministry. Now, some people say there is no balance in ministry. I totally disagree with that. There is a balance. You just have to find it through prayer and seeking the face of God. And he will show you how to balance and what to do, what not to do, when to do it, and so forth and so on. Because he knows what the family needs. That is why so many pastoral families, I should say, are or have been in shambles. And the children have turned totally against the church and totally away from the church. At at the same time, the parental responsibility to nurture and nestle those children to let them know that they are loved and explain to them and help them to understand to the best of their ability age depending so they won't be angry with the church won't turn away from the church when they get older and you can do that and sometimes some children just still turn away from the church but the Lord told me very clearly he said that from the time that they were born to the time I take them back that dash in the middle that is their process and all of us each and every one of us have a process from the pastor down to the smallest infant in that church we all have to go through a process and it's and it's God determining how we go through it and what situations that he allow us to go through so how do how should the congregation take care of the first family I think that is pastor and pastor wife depending every pastor and his wife and family are different I think it's depending on what that what those exact needs of that pastoral family would be. Okay. You know, because you can get a you can say, Oh, we should do this, we should do that, we should do this, that and the other, but is that what they actually need? Just for some people, they may be starting a new church and mm-hmm. hypothetically don't know mm-hmm. what just just a, a ballpark, if you will, a, okay. you know, a paradigm. What kinds of things were beneficial for you and why? Okay, well, for me, you know, we had someone that did our cleaning. I would just give them the clothes. They made sure that they would they got cleaned and returned. That was very helpful for me because I was a mom of four, and I was constantly running, doing, going here, going there, doing this, doing that. So that was something extra that I did not have to worry about. Uh, we At one point, we had people that would cook meals for the family. That was very helpful um, when I was working at that time in ministry. So it was always something going on, something that needed to be done. I know at one point, they had cleaning service would come to the house and clean. That was very beneficial. So it's just what the family needs. We had a prayer team where it would select people. All they did, they would pray for the family, for the success of the ministry, for the attacks of the enemy. They would undergird us in prayer. That's what we needed. That's what I needed. Now, that's what spoke to me. It may be other things that would speak to other pastoral families differently. There has to be an activation of the Ministry of Helps in the church, and those ministries facilitate those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And the, the Ministry of Helps in many churches is not utilized to the extent that God would have it to be utilized, particularly in the area of special acute assignments that need to be done in the church. 
not just for the pastor's family, but there may be other families mm -hmm. that are in need of certain things in certain seasons of their life. Mm -hmm. And the church should not just be concerned with having a good church service and we had a good time and oh, did not our hearts burn and all of that kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with your heart burning. It burned when they talked on the road back when Jesus was raised from the dead. And he was talking to the disciples. We understand that. Mm -hmm. But the point of the matter is there is a burning need in congregations across the world to meet the needs of the people in their congregation who may not be able to serve the church right now. Mm -hmm. But if you serve them and they get on their feet and get in the right capacity, mm -hmm. now you extend the growth of the church, you extend the grace of the church, mm -hmm. you extend the love of the church and the love of God. And then these people now too are added to the army of God. And so I think it starts with the first family, but then people need to see how these kinds of things can benefit others. And mm -hmm. So I appreciate your uh, dialogue on that. I I'm going to close. Do you have... Uh, any good advice or any good stories or word of advice or wisdom for the new first lady that will give her insight from your hindsight? <laughs> Absolutely. To the first ladies that are coming on board, you are uh, you just came into being a pastor's wife or you may have been a pastor's wife for five or ten years now. I truly admonish you. Number one, seek the face of God because God has the plan for your pastoral role or co-laborer role. Number two, be authentically you. I know the church is changing. The face of the church is changing. And your congregants need to understand and know that you're palpable. They need to know that you're approachable. They need to know that you can get down in the trenches with them. You can come along the side of them and link up with them. And you understand because you probably have already been where they're coming through, coming to, or going through rather. And if you have not, you will. They need to understand that you see them, you know them. And you love them. People don't care how much you can impart to them till they understand how much you love them. And as you come into this uh, first lady role or lady role, pastoral role, understand that as you step into this role or mat keep matriculating this role, everyone is not going to like you, that you will be under attack. Your children will be under attack. Under attack, I'm sorry. Understand that you must seek the face of God daily. You must execute the plan that he tells you to. When we don't execute that plan, that's when things go awry. Please understand that your Bible study and your fasting and your praying is necessary. It is not arbitrary. It must be every day. You cannot go on vacation from that. Also, it is overwhelming. At times you're going to be like, I, I, j this is just too much. At times you're going to be like, I'm done. These are all normal emotions because of the weight of the call. So don't think it's something strange. Don't think that God doesn't love you anymore. Don't think it's something wrong with you. These are normal things. If we be honest, most of us have felt like this at one time or another. Now the ones who say they never felt like that and everything is just wonderful, don't believe the hype. Okay, if you're going to be in this thing called kingdom and walk beside your husband in ministry, you're going to feel it. That's just par for course. It comes with the territory and there is nothing we can do about it. But what we can do is stay in the face of God, stay in prayer 
and do and execute what the Lord says. And this will bring you joy, unspeakable joy, and peace that passeth all understanding. Hey, it was a blessing to have you on this podcast today, honey. That's good for us to hook up, do a little simply us. Listen, if people wanted to reach you, how should they reach you? You want to email? How should they reach you? I'm reachable by email. That email address is C Sharon S H A R R O N eight 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 at gmail.com. Again, it's C the letter C Sharon S H A R R O N eight 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 at gmail.com. Hey, you've heard it. We've been talking to my lovely wife. So glad that she could join us again. Uh, we're the Simply Us team. It was a pleasure to be here. Oh, bless your heart, baby. And um, today uh, we have discussed the role of the First Lady and some of the things that First Ladies go through. I hope this blesses uh, congregation members who are listening who will be able to better assist their First Ladies, better pray for their First Ladies, but also that those of you who may be First Ladies or even pastors who need to hear some insight from another First Lady that may help you to benefit your church, your congregation, and your spouse. You have been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I pray that this podcast has blessed you. And I pray that as you go forth through the week, that you will remember this phrase, go and influence the nations. God bless. Have a great week.